Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. I'm Hugh Cole. Well, we finally made it to 2021, and it's great to have you with us this week. Thank you so much for all of your support of the podcast so far. As always, we'll start this week with a sermon from the 10 a.m. service at All Saints Church Chevy Chase, followed by a sermon from the family table service. First up, we hear from our associate rector, Britt Frazier, with a sermon for Sunday, January 3rd, 2021, entitled, A Wellspring of Hope. Those who go through a desolate valley will find it a place of springs, for the early rains have covered it with pools of water. I speak this morning in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you, dear friends, on this tenth day of Christmas. It is indeed still Christmas, and the gospel today is continuing its steady revelation of the promises of the Incarnation. But our Christmas readings this morning take a slightly different turn now, don't they? There's a slight darkness to them. There's something that resonates in a different way than the readings we encountered in the past week and a half. On Christmas Eve, we encountered Jesus born as one of us to Mary and Joseph. He's laid in the manger and the shepherds rejoice. On Christmas morning, St. John proclaims to us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A stunning confession of the Trinity. And today, today we're invited into something else. Today, St. Matthew picks up after the Magi have left their gifts for the child Jesus, and we are left face to face with something of a shadow side of the Earth's response to Jesus. Because today, an angel appears, but this time, the angel does not announce the conception of Jesus to Mary. Instead, we have an angel offering a warning to Joseph. Herod, who has declared himself to be king of the Jews, is seeking the life of the young child Christ. Herod has heard somewhere from the land that he rules that a remarkable child will arrive who threatens his power and his control, and he is about to unleash the full force of his despotic cruelty to make sure that this threat is eliminated once and for all. And our lectionary is a challenge here. So one of the weird things that happens to us in the lectionary is that the brilliant and discerning souls who sat together at one point to determine what it is that we read each Sunday morning have left something out, right? We notice on the bulletin that we've got these weird little divisions in the scripture where verses 16, 17, and 18 18 are left out. Why is that? Well, of course, these verses 16, 17, and 18 tell us that in response to this threat to his kingship, that what Herod does is proclaim the murder of every baby and young male child in the region of Judea. All of them, the babies, the toddlers, any one of them that could be the fulfillment of this prophecy, every single one of them is destined for death. Now, one of the things the Gospel writers, in particular St. Matthew, do very well is that he shows us that these events taking place in the Gospel are not just 
myths, some enchanted story that has no bearing on the actual unfolding of human history. But instead, he uses these places, these people, these dates, to show us that all of these events in the gospel are not things that we can hold at a distance. It may seem to be a story from long ago, but what it is is actually a history that we, in our ancestors and in the life of our Christian faith, are intimately and irrevocably connected with. And so Matthew writes about Judea and about Rome and about King Herod, and King Herod is not just some mythical villain. He was a real king. And the details around his life are a bit disputed, but we know that the Roman Empire gave him rule over the provinces of Judea around 37 or so BC, all the way up until around 4 BC. We know he was a tyrant. We know he was a cruel ruler who exercised total and complete control over his subjects. In fact, we know he was so cruel that Forgive me, this microphone today. I don't know. This, <laughs> forgive. Herod was so cruel that he, in fact, murdered some of his own spouses and children. And so when we have the events of this slaughtering of the innocents today, we recognize that this is a piece of history speaking into the life of Christ, speaking into our lives as Christians today. Jesus Christ the true king, the true messiah, was born into a world of violence. So while this may be a difficult part of the Christmas story, it is an important one. Because this event resonates with us as we contemplate the graces of Christmas today. In the Bible, the birth of Jesus Christ, it utterly transforms the relationship with God and the breadth of his creation. The heavens rejoice, the lowly are exalted, the glory of the Lord is revealed, and still, still there are kings like Herod, aren't there? Still there is suffering. Still, despite the birth of this miraculous child, we know that things are not as they should be. And so here we are, in Christmas 2020, becoming 2021. Jesus is born, the heavens rejoice, the glory of the Lord is revealed. And yet, and yet we know things are not quite as they should be. But rather than frightening us, or rather than perhaps stopping our belief in the magnitude of Christmas, instead of this, the gospel today invites us into a wellspring of hope. St. Matthew is not just recalling events that remind us of violence and despair, but he is showing us that the enduring, perfect, unstoppable grace of God is with us. Let's look closely at this for a moment. We're going to have a bit of a Sunday school, a bit of a Bible study here to keep our Christmas spirit going, because today the Gospel of St. Matthew is going to show us exactly how these episodes of violence connect with this wellspring of hope that teach us about the true promises of Christmas. So scholars tell us that the Gospel of Matthew the first gospel in the Bible, but not the first gospel to have been written, comes to us from the year 80 to 90 or so AD, perhaps 50 years or so after the resurrection of Jesus. 
Matthew's language indicates that he himself was a Jew. We know this from the way that he wrote his Greek. He is someone who spent a great deal of his life in the synagogue studying the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible scriptures. He's steeped in tradition, and yet he's challenging the authorities of his day because he is pointing to how those prophecies, those things that he read in the Old Testament, are fulfilled by the person of Jesus. He occupied this very strange religious landscape in that he knew himself to be a faithful Jew, and because of his faithful Jewishness, he could, he could tell how Jesus was fulfilling those prophecies. The Messiah would be a son of David. The Messiah was said to be someone who would work miracles, and this Messiah would deliver Israel once and for all. And so in Matthew's Gospel, he's careful to point us to those details. He's careful to show us how the events of Jesus' own life fulfilled each of these holy prophecies. He wrote primarily to his own Jewish community. He wrote to prove to them that this was the one they had been waiting for. They knew the prophets Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Hosea, and all the rest. And so Matthew's Gospel all throughout its text is in dialogue with these prophets. He's having a conversation with hundreds of years of religious history. We see this dialogue all throughout the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1 begins in sort of a strange way with all those names that come to us from the Old Testament. He begins to teach us about Christmas in this genealogy of Jesus going all the way back to Abraham. This is the way he points to the fact that Jesus is coming up through these generations of prophets. He's coming up through this house of David. Abraham, the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. And so on down the line. He also shows us how Jesus fulfills the prophecies of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the one who declared that the Messiah would be the son of David. Matthew tells us directly in our gospel texts today, this was to fulfill what had been spoken about the Lord by the prophet. He also says, Out of Egypt I have called my son. And he's speaking about the prophet Hosea here. In the 11th chapter of Hosea, in the first, ver first verse, the prophet says, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Of course, we have the echoes of the Exodus here, too. Jesus being sent into Egypt, Jesus then again being called out of Egypt, just as the Lord and Mo used Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt back at the Exodus. All of these things coming to fruition in the child Jesus. All of these things paving the way for the passion, death, and resurrection of the one who would save Israel. The entirety of Matthew's Gospel, every single passage, every single story, every single verse, all of this gospel is apocalyptic. The scholars tell us that all of his text is apocalyptic. Now we think of this word apocalypse as being something we associate with the end of the world, things apocalyptic like storms or hurricanes or world events. But apocalypse really means, in the original Greek, something that reveals. It's a revelation. So something that's apocalyptic is revealing something about the truths of God. And that's what Matthew does all throughout his gospel. The Old Testament reveals that this Messiah would come, 
And Matthew takes these texts to reveal how God is acting in the person of Jesus. Matthew's story about the Magi, the Magi who come to adore Christ, this will reveal that the gospel won't stop with Israel. Because the Magi, of course, are Gentiles, they're foreigners. And so the gospel promise will be transferred from only the Israelites to the entirety of the world. Today's gospel, this recollection of the flight into Egypt, today's gospel reveals something truly Christmassy indeed. Because what today's gospel teaches us is that nothing can stop the work of God. Nothing can stop the work of God. There's nothing at all, nothing on earth, nothing in heaven, nothing in hell, not violence, not kings, not oppression, poverty, obscurity, despair, nothing can stop the work of God. And so the breadth of the Christmas story doesn't just end with the rejoicing shepherds and angels. It includes the breadth of human suffering to say that all of this too, all of this is bound up in the promises of salvation. Nothing can stop the work of God. And this is truly the good news of Christmas. What a blessing too for us, I think, in this difficult, remarkably strange year to have all of whatever it is we bring to this Christmas celebration redeemed in the promise. We don't have to feel Christmassy for, Chris, for Christmas and all of its blessings to take root in our hearts. It's nice, of course, to think of the baby Jesus and the manger and the angels, and it's nice to think about the celebrations and the food and the cookies and the presents, but I think for Christmas in 2020, in 2021, this is a Christmas we need the fullness of the gospel. We need Christmas Sunday 1 and Christmas Sunday 2 to teach us the breadth, the depth, the endurance of God's promises. Even though 2020 might be over, you know, we just celebrated New Year's Eve, I think all of us know that suddenly the world didn't just magically become better when that clock ticked over into 2021. We know that suffering continues. We know that we're still amidst this time of darkness. We all know people who are ill or who are facing death. We all know families that are staring down difficult, impossible circumstances. We know people consumed by depression, addiction, need, fear. And today's gospel shows us that not a single one of these and stop the work of God. You know, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the stories of the saints, the great stories of the saints of the church. And in particular, I was obsessed with the stories of the martyrs, which may be a strange thing for a child to be interested in. But there was something about this idea that someone would give up their life for the faith of Jesus Christ. Because I lived in rural Wisconsin, and I played in the woods, and my parents loved me very much, and my life wasn't that hard. And so it wasn't that hard for me to think, well, of course I love Jesus. Of course my faith is enduring. Of course I would confess the faith of Christ crucified. Because nothing had really ever challenged me to think about what that would cost. And so when I read the stories of the saints, in particular those who gave up their lives, I read the stories of people who had a faith I didn't understand 
but I wanted desperately to believe in. I still want desperately to believe in. But then a funny thing happens, of course, because children grow up, and I grew up, and all of us here grew up, and we realized that every single one of us will suffer. Every single one of us will experience points in our lives where we are called to face innumerable small martyrdoms of our own. Not a single one of us will pass from birth to the next life without recognizing something of what it costs to believe in Jesus. And so that's what this gospel is speaking into today. That's what this gospel has always meant for us. This gospel is meant to teach us that those moments of, of fear, those moments of uncertainty, those impossible martyrdoms that we experience, perhaps particularly in a new way in 2020, each of these are bound up within that promise of Christ. Because nothing can stop the work of God. Get up, the angel says to Joseph. Get up, the angel says to him. Just this gentle and yet urgent command. He says it four times. Get up. In the original language, one of the things we can miss is that that command to get up is not just about standing physically, but there's a dimension of it that suggests an awakening. Awake. Get up. Awake. Pay attention. Because the work of the Lord is at hand. The work of God, despite these violent kings, this starvation, these plots against you, the work of God cannot be stopped. Get up, Joseph. Joseph, Christ's faithful protector. Joseph has already known hardship. He's already known the possibility of impossible scandal, impossible fear, and yet the Almighty is not finished with him. Get up. A call that is urgent and tender. You who are weary, get up. You who are angry, get up. You who are in anguish, you who are terrified, you who are ill, you who are weak, get up, get up. The Lord is not done with you. This is our summons at Christmas. This is our summons too. Get up, awake. The work of the Lord is at hand. Wherever we are, however we may be suffering or rejoicing or just doing our best to get by, the heavens themselves call us to get up. Because nothing, no plague, no addiction, no violence, no death, nothing will keep us from the promises of God. And that is gospel truth. Amen. Amen. And now, a children's homily from Father Matthew Kozlowski. Well, hi. Father Matthew here with a children's homily for you today, talking about the visit of the Magi. That's right, during this Christmas season and leading up to Epiphany, our thoughts turn to these special visitors who came to visit the baby Jesus after he was born, along with Mary and Joseph. And... It's in the Gospel of Matthew, so let me just read a few verses for you. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, 
Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Ah, remember that word. Later on it says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary. That's the child, baby Jesus. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Actually, in this translation, it just says incense. But sometimes we say frankincense. So you probably knew some of that. You knew that the Magi came from the east, from far away. And what that means is that people from all over can come and be with Jesus. We don't know if they came when he was a baby or maybe if they came when he was a little bit older. And we don't know that there were three of them. But we know that there were three gifts. And so usually we show them as three. Now, I love this nativity set. It was given to All Saints many, many years ago, and it's made out of olive wood, which means that it probably came from Jerusalem or the Holy Land. Let me show you each one of these. What do you think he's carrying? Maybe gold in that bag? What about this one? What do you think's in that chest? Probably either the frankincense or the myrrh, which are usually in a form of powder. And by the way, some people say that they were kings. The Bible doesn't say they were kings. It says they were magi, which means wise people or astronomers, people with great wisdom. I think it's just because of the song that we say that they were three kings. Mm. This is my favorite. See, this magi maybe already gave his gift or maybe the gift is in his pocket or something, but what's he doing? He's bowing down in worship. You see, he has his hands open and he's kneeling and his eyes are closed. He is worshiping the Christ child. He's worshiping Jesus. And that word worship comes from the word worth, which means that God is, is worth it. God is worth bowing down to. God is worth praying to. God is worth honoring. He's worth it. And that's why we give him worship. And the other thing is that God has already said to us, you're worth it too. Jesus, in dying on the cross and rising again and forgiving our sins, he says, you're worth it. You're worth dying for and rising again for. And you're worth so much that I want to be with you forever because I love you that much. So I want you to remember that the Magi are not just about gifts. They're about worship. And worship is saying to God, you're worth it. Because God has said to you, you're worth it. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the All Saints Podcast. To download future episodes automatically, you can subscribe and have the episodes delivered to you each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. And if you've liked the podcast so far, we would really appreciate it if you took a few minutes to give us a rating. As always, please be well, stay safe, and have a happy new year.